Good evening. Welcome to our Sunday evening assembly. James chapter 4. That will be the location of what we're going to present this evening. James chapter 4. As we go through these final few days before our meeting this weekend, let's remember the meeting in our daily prayers about Brother McClenney's trip to the valley. Good weather during the meeting. We'd like to have next weekend what we have today. And we pray for visitors who will be here and our participation, of course, in listening and applying what we hear from God's Word. This evening, James chapter 4. Listen, please. Verses 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I'll begin tonight with a very simple question. Do you want to draw near to God? And I assume that your answer is affirmative. You are here on a Sunday evening. You made the effort. You're sitting there listening. You have your Bible open. So I'm going to operate, therefore, on the assumption that each one of us want to draw near to God. And that's what this passage is about. As you can see in that first phrase in verse 8, draw near to God. I'm very heavy in my emphasis on locating in a passage, in a paragraph, the main idea. And in many cases in Bible reading and Bible study, the main idea emerges within the passage and sometimes within a very brief phrase. And that's what's happening here. The main idea in James 4, verses 1 through 10, is captured by that phrase, draw near to God. Now, in the adult Bible class a few months ago, we studied this, but there was more about this that I wanted to say. And I probably said to you at that time, we'll get back into this at some other time. And this 
is some other time. Draw near to God. What does that mean? What does that require? What warnings are involved here? How do I draw near to God? What specific thoughts and actions must I take responsibility for? We're going to look into the text and answer those questions in James 4, 1 through 10. Number one, to draw near to God, I must honestly deal with my inner passions. And that's contained in a warning given here in very sharp language in the first three verses of the chapter. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then it goes on to say, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Very clear, sharp language written by James, given by God in James 4, 1 to 3. You may have the impression that the first local churches were all peaceful and marked by Harmony acting well in the presence of the apostles of Christ. And indeed, there are statements like the one that's made in Acts 4.32, that all believers were of one heart and one mind. That's the ideal. But it wasn't always the circumstance in every local church, because you come to the first Corinthian letter, and it was divided And now here we are in the epistle of James, and it becomes clear again that churches were composed of people who were imperfect. And sometimes people who got off course, way off course. Sometimes people who did not act according to their best knowledge. There were quarrels and fights James is addressing. And apparently some of the people didn't know how this could happen are where these conflicts came from. James says, I'll tell you where these conflicts come from. He answers with a question, Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Now what does that tell us? In order to draw near to God, I must be willing to take a hard look inside and honestly deal with what I find there, using the Word of God as my tool. Honestly dealing with what I may discover in passions or ambitions or desires or impulses that may just be in seed form, but need to be conquered. Counter to God's will, I bring the Word of God into my inner self and look at everything I find there, Honestly, the Word of God is so written by inspiration of God that when you use it on a regular basis and you're faithful to it, it will explore you from the inside out. It will enable you to discover and defeat those corrupt turns of thought that may just be in seed form, those unhealthy ambitions that may be just beginning, those sinful intentions that lie within us. Sometimes... People get to a place in life where they're doing things 
they would never have considered in earlier years. And you may hear people remark, I can't believe I did that. Can't believe I said that. I can't believe I entertained that thought. You take the Word of God and explore inside. And you try to discover what may be there that will upset you at first. But then you use the Word of God to get in there and remove those first thoughts that would take you into conflict. Conflict with God and conflict with others. The best practice is to use the Word of God to explore yourself inside before there is an eruption of conflict. If you want to draw near to God, you must honestly deal with your inner passions. In the absence of that discipline that should be ongoing, you're liable to find yourself not drawing near to God. To draw near to God, you must defriend the world. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Perhaps the most popular social internet connection today is Facebook. It is a medium of communication that, like every other medium, can be used for good or for ill, depending on the user. One feature of this is there is pressure to be friends with people and like what people say and like their pictures. I want to stress that can be either good or bad, depending on who you connect with, and what you like, and what you dislike. The Bible describes life outside of Christ as the world. And I'm not talking now about the natural world made up of trees and atmosphere and plants and animals and weather. In the New Testament, when describing the lifestyle that occurs outside of Christ, the term often used is the world. Jesus said to his disciples, the world hated me. The world will hate you. He's not talking about trees and grass and rocks. He's talking about life outside of what is correct before God. John said in 1 John 2.15, The world is composed of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possession, or the pride of life. Outside of Christ, apart from God's will, that lifestyle is the world. Jesus wants us to understand, and James wants us to clearly understand, you can't hold on to that world of sin and be in fellowship with God and draw near to God at the same time. It is a contradiction in reality. Either you are a friend of the world, and you like the world, and you love the world, and you want to consume the world, and the world will then consume you, or you've made a decision to be a friend of God, humbling yourself before Him who made you and saved you through Christ. I tell you, a lot of what you see on social media tells you that many people call themselves Christians, 
and want to think they're going to heaven, but their real connection is with the world. You talk about Facebook. As a medium of communication, it has made it even clearer to me that many people who talk about Christianity and being Christians, yet they are connected with the world. Drunkenness and immodesty and foul language all showing through to us who read their posts, their companionship with the world. You cannot draw near to God that way. You cannot. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Drawing near to God. Number three, those who draw near to God are those who humble themselves. In verses 5 to 7, Or do you not suppose it is of no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He's made to dwell in us? But He gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. There is pride described in the Bible, and there is humility. And again, I must use the Word of God to look into my heart and see where I am. Am I on the humility side or the pride side? Only through humility can I draw near to God. Because this says, God opposes the proud. Pride, as that sin is described in the Bible, is not just satisfaction with accomplishment. In the Bible, pride is described as satisfaction with yourself apart from God. It is not that you did a good job. It is that you failed to acknowledge God's grace in what you did, in all that you have and all that you're able to do. Pride separates you from glorifying God. Pride is self-celebration, where there ought to be thanksgiving to God. The Bible describes pride and its danger over and over again as pushing and promoting yourself. And God is lost somewhere in the background. If God gives grace to the humble and I want to be closer to Him, I need to humble myself before God. The Bible says God hates haughty eyes in Proverbs six seventeen. He detests those who have a proud heart in Proverbs 16.5. Pride causes quarrels in Proverbs 13 and verse 10. It leads to destruction in Proverbs 16.18. But the Bible says God will esteem the person who is humble and contrite in spirit. Isaiah 66.2. I was reading that a long time ago, and found this quotation that I did not properly attribute, but I'll claim that it's not mine. About Isaiah 66, 2, a humble heart would rather lie in the dust than rise to prominence by sinful means. It would prefer to lose everything than to sin and be left with a guilty conscience. 
The humble person is neither drawn in by what Satan offers, nor terrified by his threats. To draw near to God, humility is absolutely essential. To draw near to God, I must resist the devil. In verse 7, starting in the second part of that verse, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, there's our theme, and he will draw near to you, there's the result. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. In military encounters, one of the essential steps in victory is knowing who the enemy is. If you get mixed up about that, there's not going to be a good outcome. Knowing who the enemy is. In our battle here on earth, in my life, in your life, the devil is the enemy. We need to have clarity about that all the time. He may use people. He may use various ways to get thoughts and desires into your mind. He may use media, popular culture, may use your friends. But regardless of what specific tool or weapon or means, we have to be clear all the time about who the enemy is. The devil is the enemy. So for there to be victory, there must be resistance. That means you oppose him, not just in principle, but in personal practice. You're watching for his approach and you tell him no. You help others see what he's doing, but you do not let your guard down. You fill your mind and your life with the Word of God, which Paul said is the sword of the Spirit, <coughs> and you're ready to use that sword against the enemy every day. I ran into this phrase just a few weeks ago, a wall of resistance. I was reading about this. In business management, the expression is often used to identify a person or a group of people who live and work behind a wall of resistance, meaning they are not open to change. When automation quickly came into the Industrial Revolution in America, there were workers who put up walls of resistance. They would not change. Later, when the computer age took hold in the business world, walls of resistance had to be broken through for the digital revolution and technology to take place. A wall of resistance is what people build around their work or professional life, meaning they are not open to change. Well, that can all be debated in various judgments discussed in the secular business setting. But I tell you, Christians... In regard to sin and false teaching and ungodly influences certainly need to use the word of God to build a wall of resistance to keep the devil out. And the sign needs to say, we will not change. This is where we stand. We have to be clear within ourselves and clear to others and then vigilant in practice daily. The devil is not allowed in. We will not change. Submit yourselves therefore to God. 
Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Your personal wall of resistance will keep the devil out, and you are then free to do what? Draw near to God. Learn the discipline of resisting the first stirring of temptation. The first stirring of temptation. Don't let the tempting thoughts linger. Don't play around with them. It is not safe to play around with the bait because the bait has a hook in it. You cannot dabble around the edges of sin. Build that wall of resistance and determine to resist the first stirrings of temptation because we want to draw near to God. We're going to take what James says seriously in James 4, 1 to 10. We're going to accept the warnings. We're going to obey the commands. We're going to be clear about who the enemy is, and we're going to let James tell us about drawing near to God. Honestly, deal with your inner passions. Defriend the world. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Now, I should not think of these just as rules that are unconnected to anything. They're connected to the Creator's will for my good life and my good eternity. They are connected to the Christ who went to the cross so that I can be forgiven when I violate the rules. So think of God and think of you and God drawing closer to Him. He invites you to Him and He asks you to respond, to believe and obey. And Jesus died so that that would all be effective. And He tells us here specifically what we can do to move closer to Him. Let me make this connection again. Because of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He did, everything we've talked about tonight is possible. And if you fail in any of these, what does it say in 1 John 1 verse 9? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's be standing as we sing. Are the gentle